This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 203, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, September 17th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 203. It's the Comic Reviews episode for releases for the week of Wednesday, September the 17th. I am your host, Adam Chapman. Every week we take a look at the comics that came out the previous week and uh, do kind of rapid-fire reviews. Uh, this week it looks like I uh, read most of the, like a lot of the books that came out from the big two, which generally hasn't always been the case recently. I'm looking at the list and it's scary how many books I actually read and would generally talk about. So... I'm going to make it really quick. I mean, just because I think I'm looking at at least 20 issues that I'm talking about. Um, even if I give a minute each, that's at least a 20-minute podcast. I usually like to keep the reviews episodes less than 40 minutes, usually less than 30 recently. So let's uh, let's give it a go. Let's see what we can do. Um, first up, we have all-new X-Factor, issue 14 by Carmine D. Wait, hold on. I almost said an artist who had nothing to do with this book. Um which just goes to show, I mean, like, Carmine D.G. Domenico has done an amazingly consistent job of putting out X-Factor. But uh, this is issue 14, and we do have a different artist. Uh, breakdowns by Popmon, and then the finishes are by Popmon and Scott Hanna. With, uh, obviously, it's scripted by Peter David. Um, this is just kind of a, um, a girls' night out kind of uh, episode, or girls' night, like, girls' day out, uh, where you have Polaris and Danger... Some of the weirdest and funniest repartee I've ever seen. Uh, Danger says, you know, good morning. And then sits down at the table with Polaris and just says, would you be interested in having sex? And it was just like, like that is a non sequitur. Uh, Scarlet Witch shows up. Scarlet Witch, uh, Lorna, and uh, Danger go out for out for the day. Uh, they end up kind of at a medieval fair. Um, there's kind of an interesting situation that pops out. They're there to kind of settle this help settle things at the very end has kind of an interesting um last page where scarlet witch drops the ball on the fact that pietro joined x-factor to spy on uh on lorna for or at least originally for uh alex uh, otherwise known as havoc um an interesting way to kind of leave off the issue uh i really dug this the art was not not as solid as it usually is um still very good for fill-in i'm gonna give it a 7.5 out of 10 overall uh, next up, we have got uh, all-new X-Men 32, which is part of, a, I guess, the crossover with the Ultimate Universe. Um, uh, can't I, I didn't I didn't like it as much as I was hoping. I just thought it, it took a long time to kind of establish itself, and considering that this storyline is still going on in December, I just feel like it's going on far too long. Uh, that being said, like I do like the art. Um, I just think it's really slow. Uh, as Mahmoud Arzrar does a good job on the, on the art, uh, Miles Morales doesn't quite feel like himself, but I mean, it's still serviceable. I just feel like it's slow. Um, and we get just some, some repetition. We have Beast and Latveria and I'm going to give it a seven out of 10. Uh, next up is actually, you know what? I take that back. It's more of a 6.5. Nothing wrong with the issue, but it's not that great either. Uh, then we have Avengers 35, which is the beginning of Time Runs Out. Um, I've actually really dug this. Uh, it's the whole eight in eight months time runs out. So we're seeing a future version of what, uh, has happened to the Marvel universe. Um, I really dug this. I thought this was exceptionally strong. Um, it's by Jonathan Hickman with artwork by Jim Chung, Paco Medina, Nick Bradshaw, and Dustin Weaver. Um, now the segment with the ex Nilo and his compatriots, uh, trying to figure out what's going on with the, um, uh, the incursions, etc. That 
is has the potential to be very important, but it wasn't as interesting here. Um, Manifold and uh, Sunspot show up on a, a different world to kind of visit Cannonball. Bradshaw does the artwork here, and I just think he makes them look too young, uh, especially as a Sunspot. There are times when he just looks like a child, um, and that part I didn't like as much. I like the revelation that you know there's a baby now. Uh, him and Smasher had a baby. They're living on this. Uh, on this planet uh, under the protection of the Shi'ar uh, Imperial Guard and the idea that they're going to have to go back to Earth. Uh, then there's a, a whole section with Nightmask and Starbrand. Starbrand looks far too young as they run up against um, uh, the, the former Aleph's. There's at least a reason given for why Nightmask looks younger, but there's no real reason why Starbrand suddenly looks this much younger. Um, we have a Savage Land sequence, which I loved, with uh, an old, like an older-looking um, Hyperion. He's grown out his hair. He's got a beard. Uh, he looks kind of badass. Um, there's definitely some revelations here about what's going on with AIM. AIM was bought by Sunspot, which is freaking cool. Um, and we have uh, Thor kind of dealing with his own thing. He's got what, Yarnborn, or whatever it's called, that axe. He's no longer wearing um, his armor. He looks like he's got lost his arm as well or something has happened to his arm he's he doesn't ha he's got a beard again uh he doesn't have the hammer um we have um shield station golgotha which is different uh it used to be called avengers tower now it's a shield station he gets intercepted by none other than amadeus cho who's operating through for the new version of the illuminati uh he gets um, kind of uh attacked by what looks like war machine and captain marvel um, he's trying to escape them, and then, uh, he kind of gets contained. They ask him, like, where is other members of the Illuminati, including, uh, Tony Stark, Hulk, Hank Pym, which is interesting that at some point he gets included in the Illuminati, as do Captain Britain and, uh, and then all the other familiar faces are asked about. And then finally we find out that this person kind of leading the squad is also, it's actually, um, Sue Richards, and she's saying, where is Reed Richards, where is my husband? We have a glimpse of a different FF costume as well in terms of how the four looks. Um, very intriguing, very strong out of the gate. Uh, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Uh, very intriguing. Even though some of the art doesn't work for me, there's enough parts of this issue that work that is why I'm giving it a 9. Uh, I just thought it was a really strong kind of debut for this new storyline, which is interesting because it kind of leapfrogs over Axis and all this other stuff, and it makes me excited about where the Marvel Universe is eight months from now. Uh, we have Avengers World number 13. Um, a little slow-paced at times. This is uh, kind of learning more about Spear. Uh, it's written by Nick Spencer with Raphael Ienko doing the art. Uh, I did like the art for the most part, although there are times where it was a little scant on details. You get to see how this team gets assembled, which is really cool. Uh, the end of the issue is pretty awesome because uh, you have these pin particles which are given to Shang-Chi, and he's ready for some payback against this giant dragon with Magipore on his head. Um, I I did, le did like it, but uh, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10 because I don't think it was the strongest entry we've had, and there were some issues. Uh, then we have uh, Batman... And Robin, this is uh, Batman and Robin Features End, uh, number one. Now, this is written by none other than... Let me just take a look who wrote this. Might be nice if I could figure this out. Uh, it's written by Ray Fox, artwork by Dustin Wynn. 
Dustin Wynn's artwork was kind of hit and miss. Um, I like the story for the most part. I guess my problem is that Batman seems too old and too infirm for just to be five years in the future. Um, he's going up against uh, someone who looks like the heretic, who's the character who killed Damien. It's kind of an interesting battle sequence of Batman pushing himself and uh, not letting Alfred call in Robin. And finally, he calls in Robin so that Batman doesn't die. Uh, Robin, at this point, is the... Uh, I forget his kid name, but he's the kid from uh, Zurier. Uh, he's been training all this time, and now he's finally kind of become uh, partners with Batman. Um, even though I wasn't a huge fan of the art at times with Dustin Wynn, I, for the most part, think it was a very strong issue. I like that Batman's still dealing with the, the feelings of guilt over his son dying and, and how that drives him, uh, even to potentially die himself, uh, not letting another Robin die to the same kind of villain. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Very strong, strong issue. Uh, next up is Batman Eternal 24. Um, the art here I, I just dug so much. Um, it's Let's see, the issue is uh, the stories by Scott Snyder and James Tinian IV, Ray Fox on script, Cal Higgins and Tim Seeley were the consulting writers, Andy Clark once again on artwork, and he, besides Jason Fabok, he's my favorite artist on Batman Eternal. Uh, this is a spoiler-heavy issue. <laughs> I, I meant because it's Stephanie Brown, but that just sounds hilarious. We see what Clue Master's doing. He's kind of part of these, this group that we're guessing that he's getting orders from uh, Hush or someone similar. And uh, everything's kind of been uh, orchestrated, and he's assisting, and he's got his own kind of Clue Master's group working for them. Um, Stephanie Brown ends up getting caught by, uh, by Clue Master, and they have this kind of awesome chase sequence. And uh, she kind of sets up her dad. I just thought it was really cool. Really well done. Um, I'm going to give it a eight and a half. One of my favorite issues of Batman Eternal so far. Um, I really like the way spoilers being written. I love the artwork. This is a really strong issue. Uh, next up is Batman Superman Futures End number one. Uh, this is by, let's see, it's written by Greg Pak. Artwork by Cliff Richards on pages one to ten. And then Jack Herbert and Vicente Subfuentes uh, from eleven to twenty. Um, so a lot of it's just kind of what happens after these wars with Batman and, uh, what he remembers, um, you know, him getting, getting armor, uh, him going up against, I guess, Metallo at one point, um, uh, not the strongest of all the Batman issues we've had, and I thought the tenuous tie to Superman was a little weak, so I'm gonna give it a... I like the artwork, so I'm going to give it a 6, mainly on the strength of the artwork. Pac is really hit and miss for me uh, in the DCU. Next up is Batwoman Features End number 1. Now, I don't know much about the character because I haven't really been following it, but I thought I'd read this issue. It's written by Mark Andreco, artwork by Jason Masters. Um, most of it is about, basically, it's a sisterly conflict between, now I forget her name, but um, Batwoman and her sister. Batwoman has become a vampire. Um, her sister's trying to kind of stop her and... and bring an end to her, um, and she ends up killing her at the end, and uh, her sister, you know, just says goodbye. It is heart-wrenching at the end. Um, the whole Batwoman as is, is, uh, is a, a demon didn't mean that much to me. I don't. I guess that's kind of happening in the current continuity. What I thought was really fascinating about it was just how it's done as this the sisterly battle where the, the roles have been flipped, and then ha- she kills her sister, and it's heartbreaking. So, I mean, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I thought it was just a strong kind of single issue that you don't really need to know a lot about the characters to be able to get into it and understand what's going on. And then when it happens, you're like, holy shit, like that's 
pretty messed up and pretty dark. Um, next up is Daredevil number eight. Talk about messed up and dark. Um, so the issue is, it's, it's an intriguing issue. Uh, the idea that Purple Man's been having children all over the place. Uh, Mark Wade and Chris Omnia, of course, are the storytellers. Uh, this kid gets kind of abducted, and uh, his mother dies, and then he kind of takes the kid away. Uh, Matt Murdock and Kirsten McDuffie are kind of enjoying themselves with their current kind of status quo. Um, and then Matt gets a call from the deputy mayor. There's also a sequence where she kind of he meets the family. Uh, but besides that, he is called in on this case of uh, these kids that are um, uh, have been abducted or seemingly abducted, and their their children, their parents have died. We find out it's about it's actually Purple Man. Purple Man has these purple children, um, and he he thinks he can control them. Thinks he'll he'll have love because he he it's empty making people con- like controlling people all the time. But then he comes across people who he cannot control. Uh, and then he, his kids can actually control him. And it's absolutely horrific as he... Well, we don't actually see a body, but it sure looks like we're meant to believe that Purple Man has been killed and uh, basically killed by his own children. It is dark. It is creepy. It is extremely well done. Um, it kind of is a very different tone than most of the rest of the issue, but I'm still going to give it a 9 out of 10 because um, even though you have dueling tones... Um, neither one was kind of overriding the other, and I still like both tones that we got. Uh, next up is Edge of Spider-Verse number two, otherwise known as the Gwen Stacy as Spider-Woman issue. Uh, very, very cool. This is written by, I believe, uh, Jason Latour. Let me just... Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez were the creative team. Uh, we have this interesting kind of punk rock version of Gwen and Mary Jane. Uh, the way that they kind of summarize the origin of the character is so, so quick. And I really like kind of it was a rapid fire origin. We got everything we needed to know. Um, the voice of the character was so strong in this alternate universe. Uh, her going up against uh, Rhino was very cool. Uh, her dad kind of being at odds with her and then finally kind of using his own words against her, against him. Uh, I just thought this was really, really cool, really strong. Um, I would totally buy a Gwen Stacy book if this is what we got all the time. Like, it, it had such a fully realized life. Um, from one issue, I got so much of what I understand about this character and even about this world, and I want to see, I wish I could see more. So I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Uh, next up is Electra number 6, as now we have a different artist. Uh, it's written by W. Hayden Blackman, Alex Sanchez on art. Um, so we have the fact that Electra has gone up against all these different assassins to protect uh, the group that she's with now after the first uh, few issues they go up against uh, a bunch of uh, the serpent squad members uh but really it all comes down to at the very end after some really cool fight sequences is going up against uh, lady bullseye and it looks like matchmaker dies as well which was actually quite sad because i kind of liked her as a character uh, i'm going to give it an eight out of ten again another strong electra issue this is an extremely great book the art is very different but i still like the tone and it does does fit in with what we've been seeing uh, next up is uh, Green Lantern, New Guardians, Future's End, which is one of the longest Future's End titles. Uh, written by Justin Jordan, Diagene uh, Neves on pencils. I did not like this. I just thought it was so over-involved, so like this heavy narration of what Kyle is and what this person is and who he is now and what she could be and having faith in this person. And I just I couldn't care less. I just I did not enjoy this. So I'm going to give that a 4 out of 10. 
Uh, I didn't really like the artwork that much either. Um, I also don't like the way that people make the face mask look so bulky and heavy on Kyle. I don't understand. Like, it wouldn't even stay on his face uh, if this was real. Uh, Hulk number six by uh, Jerry Dugan and artwork by uh, Mark Bagley, although covered by Gary Frank. Um, I continue to enjoy the Doc Green storyline, Doc Green versus Abomination, as he tries to, you know, kind of force feed Abomination the cure. Uh, and then he finally does so at the end and turns him back into Rick Jones. Rick Jones obviously not so happy about this. Um, and uh, Modoc kind of gets punked later by Doc Green. And, and it was just really cool, really interesting stuff. Uh, Fast-paced, most of it was action. Um, a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really digging this storyline and this direction that they're taking the character. I don't know how long it's going to last for, but for now at least I'm really digging it. Um, and then next up is Justice League Futures End number one. I hadn't actually read uh, Justice League United Futures End number one, but I don't think I really needed to. Uh, it's a two-parter with this. This is part two. I just found this very blasé. This future version of Justice League is not interesting. It's Captain Adam basically becomes more like Dr. Manhattan, and they're trying to kind of stop him from escaping Mars. Um, and that's it. And it's not good, and it's overly long, and I was glad when it was over. Um, I just, I, I couldn't care less. And I don't know if they resolved this in Justice League United or not. I feel like they didn't. But, um, like, you have a bunch of people who are kind of future characters, like Dawnstar and uh, Wildfire, and yet they're in the comp pro, like the regular timeline, no problem. I just didn't get that. Uh, it's written by Jeff Lemire, worked by Jed, Jed Doherty. I'm going to give it a six, uh, 4 out of 10. I just was not a big fan, was not impressed. Uh, next up is Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man number 5. Uh, this is, continues to be an enjoyable book. Again, a little slow-paced, but still interesting. Um... So the two Spider-Men are almost captured. Then Spider-Man webs off. Well, the uh, p- potential clone of Par- uh, Parker webs off. Miles Morales uses his, um, his camouflage to kind of take off. But he's seen by uh, Maria Hill, who then goes and picks him up. And uh, they have kind of an interesting tête-à-tête. Uh, Jameson and Osborne have a really interesting uh, kind of confrontation as well, which is really interesting and, and different from what I would have expected. Um you also have these those two these two twins kind of messing around with things as well. Um, we don't see what happens exactly with Osborne, but if Jameson really did shoot him like in the head, that's awesome. Uh, the ending here with Peter and MJ together, I'm interested to see what the answers are going to be in the next issue. Um, it remains for one of the strongest books Bendis is still writing. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10, and I really dug the artwork as well. Not a big surprise. Ultimate Spider-Man, generally speaking, does have beautiful artwork. Um, and it's by Dip Marquez, who is just fantastic. Uh, next up is Nova, number 21. Uh, this is written by, I believe, Jerry Dugan. Um, yep, and artwork by David Baldion. Remains one of my favorite books on the shelves. Just has a sense of fun and adventure to it. Uh, Nova's trying to find his father. Uh, his father's escaped uh, from his prison with a bunch of others, but he's still trying to find them. Uh, he's having problems at school. He gets expelled at the end. Remains uh, a very Spider-Man-esque type of book, considering the fact that he's out in space most of the time and kind of doing his thing. I like that his mom is kind of part of his adventure. Not part of his adventures, but part of his support system, and he doesn't really hold that much back from her, although he does obviously keep some, some stuff back about his dad. But uh, I really dug this. Uh, next up is Red Hood and the Outlaws, features end number one. 
Um, this was by Scott Collins on art. It's written by... Uh, let's see if I can even find the who wrote it. be nice if they actually told me who wrote this book. I'm flipping through it just trying to find where the credits are, which is a little sad. Uh, well, I thought the story here was fantastic. Um, the idea that there was a rift between the outlaws at one point. Uh, Starfire had to leave Earth, and uh, eventually the Red Hood and um, Arsenal kind of came more at odds. Uh, the, the fact that at this point Red Hood is like this scary assassin for villains, uh, for mob bosses, etc. It's written by Scott Lobdell. Artwork, as I said, by Scott Collins. Um, I just thought it was really cool, an interesting take on the character. I I would read this as an ongoing. It was just it had a lot of bright parts to it, and the idea that there was this falling out between uh, Arsenal and uh, and Red Hood was really well done as well. Uh, I'm gonna give this an eight out of ten. There, it feels like there's actually a lot of eight out of tens this week. I thought there was gonna be less, but uh, I actually ended up enjoying a lot of the books that came out. Um, next up is Savage Hulk number four. I really dig this. I mean, it's the last issue of the arc, so who knows what, what the uh, next issue will have in store for us. But um, I dug this. It's by Alan Davis, doing what Alan Davis does. It's a fun, quirky adventure with the X-Men from, uh, you know, the 60s. Uh, stuff happens here that probably doesn't make any sense, like Hulk suddenly having telekinetic powers, um, being able to do, do things with his mind, and um, uh, Professor Xavier trying to kind of soothe his banner's head as well. Uh, I really liked the art on Xavier. I thought it looked great. Uh, the Hulk was pretty good, too, in terms of how he was uh, illustrated. Um, the next issue is going to be Karina Becco and Gabriel Hardman doing a Down to the Crossroads storyline guest starring the uh, Master of the Mystic Arts, Doctor Strange. So that will be an interesting storyline. But um, I, I dug this quite a lot. Um, and I would probably give Savage Hulk you know, the first arc of an 8 out of 10. I just think it is a solid read and very, very enjoyable. Uh, next up is Superior Spider-Man 33. Um, uh, generally, it was good. I mean, I thought these two issues are weird because it just could have, should have just been called Spider-Verse. Like, just start Spider-Verse already. Like, it just feels like a weird decision to have these two issues and then go to the main book. Um, that being said, like, it was still enjoyable and entertaining. Uh, the artwork is very, very well done as well. It makes me really miss Cam and Coley on a regular basis because we've had, you know, six issues of Humberto Ramos now. Um, so we, we get finally know, learn more about this Karn character. Um, we get to see more and more of the kind of Legion of Spider-Men that uh, Superior Spider-Man is putting together. Um, we meet Karn's kind of family. In the backup, we see more about who Karn's family really is. It's written by Christos Gage, artwork by M.A. Sepulveda. Um, not really sure how to feel about all the mystical stuff at the end, but uh, definitely intriguing. Uh, the idea that Morlun is just kind of one of many mm, makes me a little bit less interested in Morlun, unfortunately. Um, I did like the Superior Spider-Man moment in the uh, first story where the uh, uh, the computer program calls him Otto. I really kind of dug that. That was a nice little emotional heartstring to pull. Um, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. I think it could have been a little stronger, but uh, it still was entertaining. Uh, and next up is Superman Wonder Woman Features End. I'm going to give this a 5. Um, I guess it was technically part of the one, I didn't even know this, but it was, uh, part two of basically a story that started in Wonder Woman Features End. Um, I didn't really like this. I just found the story to be very boring. Uh, it went on too long. Um, the idea that Wonder Woman is actually more dedicated to peace, this weird time-displaced version of Superman. Um, I didn't really like the art. Again, I thought the story was 
kind of uh, half dash. It's written by Sewell and artwork by Bart Sears. You know, now that I think about it, it does look like Bart Sears artwork and not necessarily in a good way. Uh, so 5 out of 10 for that. Uh, next up is uh, Teen Titans, features end number one, which, um, I mean, it looks kind of nice, but the story was kind of forgettable. Um, in the, you know, you have Will Pfeiffer writing it, Andy Smith on pencils. In the future, you have this jerk, you know, rich kid who's got this kind of senator in his pocket. Um, Tempest is has been captured. He's from Earth 2. He's kind of being used as entertainment. Uh, he gets rescued by um, Kid Flash from Earth 2 as well as uh, Clarion the Witch Boy from Earth 2. They then, uh, the three of them, end up getting um, interrupted by a character who looks a lot like the uh, heretic character who wants to go up against this particular uh, man. And they they go up against this, uh, you know, this, this, this punk kid. And they also have Animal Girl or whatever. I, I just found this so boring. I didn't care. I'm going to give it a five. Um, I liked some of the art, but the story I just found extremely blasé. And just uninteresting. Uh, next up is New War. Sorry, Uncanny Avengers number twenty-four. Uh, this is again the March Day VX. It's written by Rick Remender, artwork by Salvador Larocca. Not a big fan of the Larocca artwork. Um, the story is a little slow, but it makes sense to kind of have a time to breathe before everyone goes to Genosha uh, and they kind of, kind of uh, the shit hits the fan. Uh, the artwork is the main thing that really hurt this issue. Otherwise, I probably would have given this an eight. Um, but I, as a result, I'm just going to give it a six. Um, it's, I don't know, at times it's slow and then it kind of gets the pedal moving. And then you're like, what, what, wait, what, what's happening here? Like it, it doesn't always make sense. Um, anyway, and then last up is Wonder Woman Futures End. No, I did not read that. Hold on. Uncanny X-Men 26. Um, this is artwork by... Uh, I guess Chris Anka, it's written by Brian Michael Bendis, as we're continuing the last Will and Testament of Xavier story. It just feels like it takes way too long to happen and to unfold. Iceman freaking out like he is. Um, I, don't, I don't know how I feel, but Exodus being called in by S.H.I.E.L.D. as like as like a telepathic support, that seemed weird. And then having uh, him try to confront this Omega mutant and it like breaking his neck or whatever, like that was stupid. Exodus worth, is worth a lot more than that and deserves more than that. I just was very uninterested in that. The whole sequence with the the new kids at the Uncanny X-Men school kind of dealing with the fact that, you know, they, they're trying to prepare for, you know, why are they training all the time to fight the Avengers? Why Maybe they're villains. Um, the one funny part was uh, one guy saying, maybe we should wait till the adults get back and talk about it then. And the, the other guy next to him looks at him and says, adults, I'm 30 years old. And I'm like, that was pretty funny. Otherwise, this just was very forgettable. Um, so I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. So that's everything from this week. Uh, next week, uh, sorry, uh, the comics I did not get a chance to look at this week include the following. Dark Tower, Drawing of Three, Prisoner number 2, Deadpool Biannual number 1, Fables 144, Hulk Annual number 1, Infinite Crisis, Fight for the Multiverse number 3, uh, Multiversity of the Society of Superheroes number 1, New 52 Futures End number uh, 20, Original Sin 5.5, Scribble Knots Unmasked, Crisis of Imagination number 9, Sensation Comics featuring Wonder Woman number 2, Supergirl Futures End number 1, Thor God of Thunder number 25, Trinity of Sin Pandora Futures End number 1, Unwritten Volume 2 Apocalypse number 9, Wolverine and the X-Men number 9, and Wonder Woman Futures End. Uh, comics that come out this coming week on, I guess, what, what uh, the 24th, uh, some highlights include the following... Uh, we're going to get uh, 
see a new issue of Batman 66. You're going to get the trade paperback Batman Gordon McGotham collecting a few Gordon miniseries from the 90s. You have the Flash Omnibus Volume 1 coming out. Uh, you For Forever Evil, you have the trade paperbacks for Rogue's Rebellion, Blight, and Argus coming out. Uh, you've got a Harley Quinn trade paperback called Vengeance Unlimited, uh, as well as... Um, Sinestro Futures End, amongst many other Futures End tie-ins. Also, Superman Doom Edition number two finally comes out. Uh, if we then uh, flip over to Sa- uh, sorry, Image, we have Saga number 23 coming out this week. Unfortunately, Manhattan Projects has been pushed back a couple weeks. And then for Marvel, we've got the all-new Ghost Rider, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1.5, which I believe ends the Learning the Crawl storyline, which I've not been a huge fan of. Uh, Amazing X- X-Men number 11, Cyclops number 5, a new issue of Edge of Spider-Verse, Guardians of the Galaxy 19, which continues the story of what happened to Richard Ryder. Uh, for March to AVX, we have, sorry, to Axis, sorry, we have Loki, Agent of Asgard number 6, and Magneto number 10. Uh, we also have uh, one of the last few issues of New Warriors, a new issue of Savage Wolverine, I can't believe that issue, that storm's still running, a new issue of Secret Avengers, and then on the trade front, We've got uh, the second trade paperback of Guardians of the Galaxy, which is called Angela, as well as the Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection Volume 1 called Great Power. So that's everything coming out. Um, well, if you're da- if downloading and listening to this on the 24th, that's what comes out today, and we'll be talking about it next week. So thank you for joining me for episode 203. Um, episode 204, not really sure what's going to happen with that episode yet, but that'll be coming out in probably two to three days. And uh, hopefully that will be another yet another good one. So thank you for listening uh, to the show. You can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like, like us on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And as always, post in our HD Realms thread as well. Thanks again for joining us for Comic Shenanigans. I'm Adam Chapman signing off. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>